0: Every single person who is in Christ is richly blessed beyond imagination. But you might be wondering, it sure doesn't seem like I'm richly blessed beyond imagination. Just the opposite. Well, coming up, we'll help you to understand and experience the blessed life that is your birthright in Christ, next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark VanUse, and we are in the midst of an incredible series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. And uh, we're kind of uh, wrapping up this series. It'll probably be about 15 installments. And in the second half of the series, we've been learning from the Bible about people who are blessed of God. And they're blessed not because they deserve the blessings, but because of the goodness of God, all received by the grace of God through faith. And then we talked about the most blessed person of all. That person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does deserve the richest blessing. After all, he is the firstborn son of God. He's the rightful heir of all. He is perfectly righteous and perfectly good. That's the one who is the most blessed person of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then there is someone else who also gets all the rich blessings that Jesus rightfully deserves, even though they that someone else doesn't deserve it. And that person, that someone else, is every single person that is in Christ. And if you, dear listener, are in Christ, then you are indeed blessed beyond imagination. Well, today, we'll look at how very richly blessed every single man, woman, boy, and girl is in Christ. We'll look at some of the many in Christ blessings that are laid out in the Word of God, the Bible. But before we begin... I have a very important caution. You see, when we hear of these fantastic blessings that every single born-again believer already has in Christ, our tendency, and I said our tendency because I have this tendency as well, our tendency because of fallen thinking is to look at ourselves in the natural, by the flesh, outwardly, and then to say, well, it doesn't look like that to me. I sure don't seem very blessed. And we have the tendency to disregard the truth of what the Bible says about these in-Christ realities. But you see, listening friend, you and I, born again in the Lord Jesus Christ, are far more than just flesh, skin, and bones. We are a born-again spirit, And you cannot see spirit. The only way, now listen, the only way that you and I can find out who we really are in Christ is by the word of God. It's in the Bible, plain for all to see. It's not by what you see in the mirror. It's not by what you think you are. It's not by what others think you are. It's what God has clearly stated in his word, the Bible. All of the in Christ, in him, through him statements that we find in the Bible are declarations of fact concerning who you really are in Christ. This is not some so-called position, as is popularly taught. That's another thing. No, uh, it's not, some, as some call it, an identity. That's another thing. You see, you're not in a position. You're not in an identity. You and I are in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and because you are in him, you are in all that he has. Let me say that again. Because you are in him, you are in all that he has. So how do we know who we really are in Christ? Again, I, at the risk of sounding repetition, repetitious, I, I, it's important for us to get this. We find out who we really are in Christ, not by looking in the mirror, not based on what we think we are. You see, you and I can identify each other physically, right? If I have to pick you up at the airport, and I never met you before, and I never saw a picture of you before, and I said, well, what do you look like? You'll describe yourself physically, whether you're tall or short, male or female, older, younger. You see, that's it's it's easy to see what we are physically through the outward. But who you are in Christ, which is a higher reality by the way than the physical, can only be seen, can only be found in the Bible. And here's how you find it in the Bible. Look up all of the verses that have the phrases in Christ or by Christ or in him, or through Christ, or through him, or with Christ, or with him. You get the idea? Those phrases in the Bible, those are the things that identify who you are because you're in Christ. Now, there's about 200 of these things. Would you believe it? 200. Let me just say parenthetically, 1 Corinthians one thirty says this, Of God are you in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians one twenty nine and 30. So you're in Christ not because of your doing. You are in Christ because of the doing of god the father that's extremely important and these truths about who you are and and by the way you know god does not think very much about the the label christian you're probably shocked <laughs> what did he just say god doesn't think very much about the label christian that's right do you know that the word christian only shows up two or maybe three times in your Bible, depending on what version you're reading, two or three times. And yet, all of these in Christ, in him, through him statements are seen nearly 200 times throughout the New Testament. Which one do you think is more important to God, Christian or being in Christ? Well, the reality is being in Christ. Okay. Okay. So let's look at a few of these nearly 200 scriptural truths about who we already are in Christ. I want to underline that. This isn't who you will be or who I will be, but this is who we already are because we are already in Christ. Think about it for a moment. How can we be in Christ and not be in all that he is and has. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We are in him. As I just said in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it's because God the Father did it. So, here are just a few of the nearly 200 scriptural truths about who we already are in Christ. In Christ— We are already justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is in Romans 3.24. We are justified freely. Now, we talked in these later episodes about what it means to be justified. Remember, it is God, specifically in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in Romans 3.26, who is just and the justifier. And to be just before God is not only to be declared innocent, but also, listen, to be given the same standing before God the Father that the Lord Jesus Christ has. To be justified is something that God does to you. And in Christ, dear friend, you and I are already justified, listen, freely. Oh, it was so expensive to God the Father, giving his own son. It was so expensive for the Lord Jesus Christ, giving his life. But this is given as a gift of God's grace freely through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Man, Romans 3.24 is a loaded verse. Here's another in Christ reality. In Christ, we are already redeemed through his blood and forgiven of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Ephesians 1.7, what does it mean to be redeemed? It means to be bought back. And the idea has a negative and a positive. The negative is being, uh, it's the idea of like a ransom that's paid, that's buying back a person out of sin, self, and slavery to Satan. That's one part of redemption. The second part of redemption is that we belong to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe in verse 18 says, or do you not know that you've been bought with a price? Therefore, honor God in your body, which is the Lord. The whole foundation of the fact about the body is based on the reality of the redemption that we already have in the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed through his blood. Second, we same verse, Ephesians 1 7, are forgiven of sins. That's incredible. And the basis of that redemption, again, is nothing less than the infinite value of the blood of Christ. So there are several that show up right there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, now, oh, by the way, there's a bunch of those that we find in Ephesians. But we're going to jump for a moment to the next one in 2 Timothy. 1, 9. Listen to this. In Christ, we are already called with a holy calling before time began. In Christ, we are already called with a holy calling before time began. That's in... Um, Second Timothy 1 9. Now you understand what the Bible means when it refers to the calling of God. You know, in our lives, we can have all sorts of calls, right? You may have a call that comes in during the dinner hour and uh, you may let it go through to the answering machine so you can hear the call, kind of filter it. And if it's a telemarketer, hey, that call just isn't important. You might have kind of a Yoo-Hoo call where eh, maybe a little bit more important. Um, And then you might get the call that's actually called a summons. You get through the mail from the court that is a summons to the court. That is a powerful call. You better not ignore it. The call of God, listen, is a summons from God that commands your destiny. The calling of God is the summons of God that commands your destiny. It is that which God has made, as we see here in 2 Timothy one nine, before time began. And that calling sets in motion everything else that we have in our Christian life. I want to look up right now uh, Romans chapter 8. And I want to start in verse 28 and then forward. It says this And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called. There's that word the summons that commands our destiny, who are the called according to his purpose. Watch this, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. There it is. There's that summons that commands our destiny, these also he called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That's in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 31. I'd love to stay there, or rather verse 30. I'd love to stay there, but I got to move on looking at the realities of who we really are in Christ. We're in a person, after all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can we be in him and not be in all that he has and is? In Christ. Here's another one. We are already chosen by God before the foundation of the world. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We are chosen chosen by god think about that before the foundation of the world i have to confess when i was a kid growing up i grew up vertically really fast super fast inches you know a few inches a year and um but but i didn't grow up Horizontally. And the result was I was a pretty klutzy person. And I was not the person who was called first when it came to gym class, you know, and they picked teams. In fact, I was usually the one picked last. And if they had their choice, they wouldn't even pick me at all. Pretty miserable. But that's not the case with me and God. God has picked me, He has chosen me. I can't tell you how precious it is to think that the eternal God has already chosen me and you, believer, before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4. That's precious. Here's another of these in Christ realities. In Christ, we are already sons of God through faith in Christ. That's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And by the way, sons and is referring to both males and females. The idea of sonship, biblically in this context, refers to the rightful heir. And you know that in Bible times, we've brought this up already, that the um, firstborn son was the one who had the right to the richest blessing. We are in Christ. And who is Christ? He is the firstborn son. And so we are also men Women, boys, and girls in Christ we are already sons, we are already rightful heirs through faith in christ again galatians three twenty six here's another one in christ we are we already have a rich and glorious inheritance from God that's in Ephesians chapter one verses eleven fourteen and eighteen now this sort of tags on with what I I just mentioned a moment ago from galatians three twenty six that in Christ we are already sons of God, and I made the pointed out the fact that that sonship means that we 're rightful heirs. so here, in the verses that i've just mentioned, we already have in Christ this is not future tense; this is our experience now and forever. we have a rich and glorious inheritance from God. You know, the. it seems like the royals in England just cannot escape our attention. <laughs> There's a fascination with royalty. And lately in the news, we have seen uh, Prince Harry and uh, his wife, Meg, who didn't want to continue with uh, all the duties of royalty. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. I don't want to get into that. But the fact of the matter is, Prince Harry is still a prince. Why? Well, obviously not because of his behavior. Because the queen does not approve over what he's doing. Even his brother doesn't approve. He is He is a prince. He is an heir in this family because he's been born in that family. Dear friend, you are... You have an inheritance from God because you are in Christ. You are in the one who's the firstborn among many brethren, as it says in Hebrews chapter, chapter one. Related to this in Romans chapter eight, verse 17. So what kind of an inheritance do you have? How much? Well, it says in Romans eight seventeen that in Christ, we are already, already, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? We have an inheritance that's the same as the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. You think, oh, wow, I can't even comprehend it. Well, welcome to the club. I can't comprehend it either, but it's in the Bible. God has stated that. God is the one who has stated that every single person who is in Christ is already a joint heir with Christ. That's according to the authority of God's holy word, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Um, I've been, I lead a Bible study on Monday nights. And when we go to the prayer portion of that Bible study, I will always tell them, please do not pray like a pauper. You know what I mean by a pauper, a beggar, a poor person, because you're not you are a child of God. You have an inheritance from God, because you're in Christ, of the Father's doing, and you are a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Reminds me of uh, a brother in the Lord that I've, I listen to his podcast on a regular basis, John Cheesby, and he mentioned uh, recently uh, that, uh, you know, it's in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And he said, I'm kind of paraphrasing. I hope I'm giving it justice, but this is the essence of it. Here's what he said. He said, I don't want to ask God for my daily bread. Why would I do that when I am an heir of God? I want my full inheritance. That's the spirit. You know, that changes things. When you have a need or a situation, you're not going to God, you know, crawling like a beggar, begging him. To answer your prayer. Now, look, I want you to understand something. This isn't about demanding God do things your way. No. We always should pray according to the Word of God, to the leading of the Spirit in conjunction with God's Holy Word. 1 John 5.14 says this, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So that prayer that we have before God uh, must be in line with what the Word of God lays out. And boy, I tell you what, the, the Word of God is incredibly rich. I mean, if let's say you're in a situation and you need wisdom. James one five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally without finding fault. So That's in God's Word. You can claim that, and I've done that, oh, thousands of times to receive wisdom from God. I've got to move on. So we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's something powerful. In Christ, we are already new creations. Old things are forever gone. The new has come. That's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know when I was a brand new believer, I memorized this verse. Uh, fortunately, I was a part of what was what 's called navigators, and they would have us uh, in a program of uh, bible memorization that 's Boy, am I glad I was discipled in that as a young believer. And I memorized a bunch of scriptures, and 2 Corinthians 5.17 was one of them. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I have to confess that verse bothered me because it said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But I didn't, I mean, in some ways it felt like a new creation. There were a lot of wonderful new things, but there were a lot of things that weren't really so new. And I thought, it always bothered me. But I've learned a whole lot more since then from God's Word. And the fact of the matter is, every person who is in Christ is a new creation. That's not speaking of your flesh. That's speaking of your spirit. That's the born-again part of you. Uh, That's the part of you that is in union with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, together with him, and all of these in-Christ realities. Someday we will have a new body. The Bible talks about that. And then there is, you know, the reality is we are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. What's the soul? It's the mind, emotion, and will. And those things have to be renewed according to the word of God. But in our spirit, we are in one spirit with the Lord. That's what it says in First Corinthians chapter 6. It means one in the same. And we are new creations. And this isn't a one-third of you kind of thing. I think sometimes we hear about that, okay, you know, okay, it's three parts. One part is... is uh, Spirit, one part is soul, and the other part is body. Okay, so two-thirds of me is a wreck. No, 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 no. The part that God's a part of is a big part. (laughs) Uh, We need to shed that wrong thinking about who we are, who we were in first Adam and his failure and his sin and the condemnation and death that he was in, and realize that we're in the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is... Uh, brought out in great detail in Romans chapter 5. But here's the reality. Again, Second Corinthians 5.17. We are in Christ already. New creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now some people might say, well, how can this be? Well, the next in Christ reality speaks about this in um in Romans chapter 6, verse 8, it says that, that we have already died. And the reason in Romans 6, it says that we have already died is we are in union with Christ. We have been buried together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as much as he died by crucifixion 2,000 years ago, believer, so you are in union with him. You're because of God the Father, 1 Corinthians one thirty, and you have been crucified with him. That's what it says in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the reality of uh, another reality. We have died with Christ, crucified with him, and uh, that's powerful. You know what that means? Dear friend, it means that the old sinner, me, and the old sinner, you, is dead and no longer exists. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 6. And then as an application of that, later on in Romans 6, it says that we have already died in Christ, in union. We have died to sin it says in romans chapter 6 verse 10 the death that he died he died to sin the life which he now lives he lives to god likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead unto sin but alive to god in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is powerful truth. And it's one of those things where you have to get rid of that stinking thinking uh, of thinking, well, it doesn't seem that way, it doesn't look that way. Well, you know what? God's Word says you uh, have already been crucified with Christ. In Christ, also in Colossians chapter 3, we have already died. And it says our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, and then it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. That's Colossians 3, uh, 4, and 5. Well, we're going to pause right there in this episode. Next time, we're going to be talking about more of those in Christ realities, starting off with the reality that we have been risen with Christ. That's the other great truth that's taught in Romans chapter 6. Dear friend, have you discovered the Daily in Christ website? That's our ministry website, and there is a treasure trove of resources that are available. I'm going right there to the website right now, dailyinchrist.org. And we have something like 83, 84 of these podcast episodes. All of them are are available through our website, dailyinchrist.org. And that is a way that many of you actually hear the Daily in Christ podcast. But did you realize it is indeed a podcast? And the Daily in Christ podcast is available at the uh, Apple uh, podcast app. You can use that and uh, subscribe. You can also subscribe through Google Podcasts. It's available in other platforms such as Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, tune in radio many different places we have information on our website about how to get the daily in christ podcast so it automatically downloads to your mobile device dear friend we so much appreciate having you here with us and as always remember oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him